Hey, I hope you have a Bible with you. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad that we can worship Christ. We live in a culture that's changed over the last several months, but we have the opportunity to worship Christ together. Some of you are doing that at home. You're joining with us, being online, and I'm glad that you're there, and I'm glad you're participating. And last week, we had a few issues with our online video. It kept stopping and starting and not going through. And so uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, listen to the audio version. It's on our podcast, and it's an important message from 1 Corinthians 5. I really challenge you to go and listen to that and try and uh, incorporate it into your life because... Uh, Uh, Last week, the focus was on grace does not ignore sin, and in our culture, we've got this weird concept of what grace actually looks like, and so we wanted to flesh it out and make it more understandable from a biblical perspective. So if you missed that, you weren't here, or you were online and it didn't quite work right for you, then please listen to the audio that's on the podcast. You, You can get that. Now, if you're here today or watching online, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the title is that petty problems poorly processed. That's what was going on in Corinth. And so we're going to end with some uh, instruction to help us deal with circumstances and also some self-checks for you to evaluate your own life. All right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Dare any of you... Having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, Do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? He's saying, listen, if you got to make a decision, you want somebody helping in the decision process who really understands and knows what to do. You know, here at church, when we have our annual meeting and we have special business meetings and we want to accomplish things for the church or support missionaries or, or anything that we want to do that requires the action of the uh, members of the church, then we do not ask a two-year-old to make the decision. We, we don't let third graders vote. Uh, we listen to them if they have concerns, but the vote is taken by those who are a little more mature than that, or at least ought to be. And, and so he's saying, listen, you are having people make decisions that don't understand the nature of Christ and his church. And you ought to have people in the church who can help with those decisions. So then he goes back in verse 5, he says, I say this. To your shame, you're appointing, verse 4, you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life. Do you appoint those who are least esteemed? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? He said, isn't there a way to deal with this within the church without having problems out in the community? Kathy and I knew of a situation in Texas where uh, two different leaders of ministries uh, sued each other for control over uh, a ministry. And they went to court, and after the decision was made and it was resolved, the judge said, Now, 
I've given the final ruling. We're done with this case. But I want you to sit down and I want you to listen to me. You have embarrassed the cause of Christ by bringing this here to this court. I'm a believer and, and I understand what God's word teaches. And you should have never come here. If you couldn't resolve it, you should have let it go. This should not have happened. And that was a judge in the court telling the leaders of ministries, you guys did wrong. This shouldn't have happened. And so Paul's saying the same thing to the people in Corinth. This problem didn't stop 2,000 years ago. It's still going on. Look at verse 6. But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now therefore it is already an utter failure for you to go to law against one another. Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Father, as we look in your holy word, let us realize that we have a lot to learn, and we have a lot to grow, and let us not be arrogant and think, oh, we got this down. Let us think where in our lives, in our hearts, do we need to make adjustments so that we can be more pleasing to you in this area. I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that we see here is that the people in Corinth did not understand their position. So in verse 2 he said, believers, the saints, are going to judge the world. And in verse 3 he said, believers will judge angels. Let me give you a few additional verses. Romans 2.16 says, God will judge the secrets of man by Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.1, the Lord Jesus Christ will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. 2 Timothy 4.8, Paul calls Jesus the Lord, the righteous judge. Um, Jesus is the righteous judge 77 times in the New Testament. 77 times it says we are in Christ. Not just with Christ, not just disciples of Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. We're in Him. We're His body. We're His bride. We are connected with Him. We are His church. And so uh, He works with us and we work with Him. And we are eternally connected to Jesus Christ. So we will share with Him in the judgments. How is that going to be? Is it going to be that, you know, one of you will stand and give testimony of when a, a demonic presence pressured into your life? I don't know how it's going to work. Is, is he going to have you judge people and somebody will be there ready to be condemned and, and cast into the lake of fire and he'll ask you to give testimony of that time that you witnessed to that person and they wouldn't believe? Is that how we'll be involved in judging? I don't know. But we need to understand, we are exalted, we are elevated, and heaven will be above the angels. The angels that are worshiping God, but especially the angels who have rejected God. And, and we will have a place of honor for all eternity. We will serve with Christ. And, and so your brother and your sister in Christ, their family forever. 
And, and so these, they were taking these petty squabblings and turning them into court issues because they didn't understand their position. In Christ, we are called to not live like that. Secondly, they didn't value their church family. They didn't value their church family. This is the Rikosis on their way to church this morning. <laughs> it actually is a, a picture from a farm country, I think in Iowa, uh, in the 1800s when the people in the community, they'd load on the wagon and then they'd ride to church together. So this was the first church bus and uh, they'd, they'd ride together to get into church. And, you know, they'd go for the whole day. They'd go in the morning, and they'd go down to the church, and they'd often have a Bible class, and then they'd have preaching like we've done here today. If you missed the Bible class at 930, uh, I encourage you to be a part of that next week and if you can. And then at 1030, we have this service, and so they'd have this service, and then, then they'd usually have lunch together, and then they'd have an afternoon service, and then everybody would get on their wagons and head on home, um, or, or their horses. But, but let's look in Scripture at how we're supposed to take care of the family of God, okay? So I'm going to ask you to turn to several passages. We'll start in the book of Romans, which is right before 1 Corinthians. So you go to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. And we'll see some of the instruction that God has for his family. Romans chapter 12, look in verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. See, th these are things that we should do. We should care for one another and show love to one another and help out one another. And we have been blessed by Christians reaching out and helping us. And we have been a blessing by reaching out and helping others. That's how it works. Now, uh, take your Bible and turn to Ephesians. You got 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians chapter 4 and 5. So we're going to look at two separate verses. Ephesians chapter 4, if you're there, Ephesians 4, 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This, that kindness and that generosity, and you be willing to forgive others just like God has forgiven you. And by the way, how many sins is Christ willing to forgive? And how much does he forgive? Completely. He doesn't just forgive 98%. He doesn't say, well, I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. He removes it. So that's the kind of way, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And by the way, God forgave you because Christ paid the penalty for your sins. 
So when God looks down from heaven and he sees you, if you've received Christ as your Savior, he says, you are forgiven in Christ. And that's what we do to others. We forgive in Christ. We say that sin, that offense, that's under the blood. And we forgive. Look in chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. You, you walk in love. And if you walk in love and you show love and kindness and graciousness to people, it makes you look good and even smell good. All right, Philippians chapter 2. Ephesians, the next book is Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, look in verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, this is true when you're driving your car. You don't just look to see where you can get through more safely. On our way to church this morning, uh, we were driving in the left-hand lane on uh, Cottonwood because we were coming down and we'd be turning in here to the church. And there was a car in the right lane and we were going a little faster than the car in the right lane. And as I was going along, this car came flying up behind me, just flying. You know, it's a 40-mile-an-hour zone. We were going about 40, and he looked like he was going about 50% or more faster than that. And, and to get between me and that other car, he had to zoom right up behind me and then whip over. And I really thought he was going to clip the back end of our van. He didn't, and I praise the Lord for that. Uh, but was he looking out for others? No. He was only in it for himself. He put me at risk, our van full of people. He put the other car and however many people were that, he put them at risk. Why? So he could get just a little bit further down the road. And that's what people do. In, in fact, uh, it'll be different this year, but during Good Friday sales in previous years, Black Friday sales. <laughs> I always do that. So, Black Friday sales, thanks for the correction. During the Black Friday sales right after Thanksgiving, which now they started earlier in the week, but, but when, when it was just, you got to be there at 5 a.m., people got trampled to death because they slipped and fell and the herds just trampled over them so they could get to their thing. You know, uh, Kathy heard of a, a fight in Walmart here when during the toilet paper shortage uh, that people got in a fight over who got the toilet paper, a fist fight in Walmart. You know, why couldn't they have said, look, I'll take half, you have half, here you go, you know, help one another, look out for one another. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Believers do not have any right to just advance their own agenda. We have the obligation to advance the agenda of Jesus Christ. So, that's Philippians. Now look in Colossians, the very next book. Colossians chapter 3. 
Colossians chapter 3, look in verse number 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Now, do you see a stern face in that description? No. Tender mercies, uh, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, enduring other people. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must, so you also must do. You must do this. You must forgive. You must make this commitment that you're going to forgive other people. Why? Because Christ forgave, because that's what he did, and that's what he wants you to do. So um, I had a guy once tell me, he said, I don't get mad, I get even. Would it surprise you to know he ended up divorced and alone? Not at all. Because his attitude professed to be a believer. That's not how God wants his kids to act. <clears throat> how many of you parents have ever had one of your kids act in a way that was not what you wanted? Anybody ever experienced that? <laughs> Kathy and I never experienced that, but uh, not true. We did, uh, not as often as my parents did, but, but we experienced it. Christ wants us to be different. He wants believers to show by your love, they'll know that you are my disciples, Jesus said. He wants us to be willing to forgive and not hold a grudge. One last verse before we jump back to 1 Corinthians. The next book, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Hey, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Jump back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What's going on in Corinth? They got little problems, petty little issues, and they go to court and they sue one another. Instead of just being supportive and forgiving, and, and he says in, in verse number uh, 7, now, therefore, it's already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Just take the loss. Endure it. In Corinth, they allowed petty squabbles to disrupt the church. It was impacting the work of Christ in that city. Have you ever seen lawyer commercials on TV? They're almost as fun as the political commercials, aren't they? Well, but, but lawyer, they'll get on TV and they'll say, you have rights. Somebody has to pay. We'll get you the settlement you deserve. You know, in America, we used to have this thing called insurance so that if you got hurt, your insurance took care of you, that you paid for that. Now, nobody wants to have to pay for their own insurance. They want to sue somebody else and get the payment for it. Somebody else needs to pay the settlement you deserve. And let me tell you this, you know, nobody wants the settlement they deserve from God, do they? If we got the settlement we deserve from God, it's hell and the lake of fire forever for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We don't want that. We want grace. Then we need to show it to other people. We need to care the church in Corinth was operating like the law commercials today. 
they had a habit in verse 8 of cheating on one another. You do yourselves wrong and cheat. You do those things to your brethren. They're cheating and making a habit of it and then suing each other. They did not value their church family. We have a connection in Christ that we should appreciate. So, how do you handle your problems? What do you do? How are you going to handle your problems? Because you're going to have issues, right? Well, in verse 7, if it's something small, you let it go. You let it go. Why don't you just rather accept wrong? Let's just say that Ben Qualls invites Tim Pennock out to lunch. Ben says, hey, Tim, I'd like to go out to lunch, just visit, talk, I'll buy lunch. And Tim says, okay, I can be there, I can adjust my schedule. And so they go out to lunch, they're sitting in the restaurant, they're having a good time, they're talking, they're, you know, and it's almost time for the waiter, waitress, the server to bring the, the uh, bill to them. And Ben gets a call on his phone, he takes the call, and, and he tells Tim, I'm sorry, I got to go. And he runs and takes off and heads back to work. And so Tim's now sitting there with the bill, and he has to pay for it, okay? What should Tim do? Well, if Tim was in Corinth, he would go to court, and he'd file a small claims court claim against Ben for that lunch and the suffering and trauma he endured because of it. As a believer in Jesus Christ, what should Tim do? Let it go. Let it go, right? That, that's, what, that's what Tim should do. Just pay the bill. And then, you know, he goes to church Sunday, and what does he want? He wants Bill, Ben to walk up and say, man, I'm sorry, here's a 50. That'll cover it, right? No, he just lets it go. Now, what if they go to lunch again? And Ben does it again. All right, now Tim has an issue that he could talk with Ben about. If that's not resolved, talk to leaders in the church about. See, if, if Ben made a habit of it, then you'd need to address it. But otherwise, you don't. Paul was not dealing with... Okay, you're ahead, sorry. Paul was not dealing with legal issues. Okay, I, I wasn't there yet. Go back to how do you handle your problems, so... I didn't give him good enough notes. Um, Paul's not dealing with legal and criminal issues in Corinth. He's dealing with petty squabbles in the church. You put your donkey where I was going to put my donkey, and now I had to park in a different spot. You're sitting on the bench where I wanted to sit on the bench, and now I have to move to another spot. They're, they're dealing with petty squabbles in the church. So Paul was dealing with petty things, not fraud, not criminal activities. He was saying you endure the loss when it's a small personal issue. If it's criminal, you address it differently in court. Uh, a large church in Houston found out that over a seven-year period, one of their pastoral staff embezzled more than $830,000.
Now, they had a bad system of accounting. We have a much better system of accounting here. We don't have that much funds, but it wouldn't matter if we had 10 times the amount of funds that we have. Our system of accounting would not allow that to go on that long. We would catch it very quickly and deal with it very quickly. But uh, they had this problem, and so the church then uh, went to an attorney and a financial accountant. They did all. They put the person on. on they suspended him, and and then they, it ended up going to court. And this guy was charged with fraud and and criminal behavior. And people in the church were upset with the church leadership because Paul said they're not supposed to take a brother to court. They're supposed to just let it go. Well, the Bible also says that the purpose of civil government is, one of the purposes, to punish evildoers. God created government for this purpose. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew. Mark your spot here. We'll come back. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Look with me, please, in verse number 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Try and deal with it privately. We looked at that last week. Then if he hears you, you have gained your brother. If, if you resolve it, then everything's good and nobody else needs to know about. Verse 16. But if you'll not hear, and it's a bigger issue that needs to be addressed, then take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So then you take other people with you, and you go, and you, you deal with it. And like in our church, we would encourage you maybe get a deacon to go with you, one of our trustees, a leader in the church, and, and go with them, and then try and resolve the issue with that person. And then if they won't hear that, then you tell it to the church, verse 17. Tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. All right, now pause there just a moment. How did Jesus treat heathens and tax collectors? He was kind to them. He was friendly to them. He was willing to forgive their sins, right? He didn't ostracize them and ban them. He, he showed some kindness, but he also treated them differently than believers. He, and so when, when we come to handling our problems, if a person is chronic in their sin or rebellious and refusing to admit their sin and be corrected, then you treat them as a non-believer. So, if you have a legal issue with them, like this church in Houston did, and this person was not repentant, was not seeking forgiveness, was not acknowledging his sin, then they had a biblical obligation to treat him as a non-believer, even if it were a small thing. But since it was a big thing and a criminal thing, I think they did the right thing. I personally think, my understanding of Scripture, when a person is behaving as an unbeliever, then we treat them as an unbeliever. Some of you have had or do have teenagers at home. And when you have a teenager who's acting like a toddler, 
Treat them like a toddler. Give them a time out. Sit them in a little rocking chair in the corner. Now, you, you deal with them according to the way they're behaving. And if they're behaving gross, and, and I've, I've heard teenagers fuss, well, my parents don't show respect to me. Well, you have to earn respect. You have to earn trust. And if you're behaving like a pouty little child, your parents should treat you like a pouty little child. I don't know if you are. I know Kathy's not, so it's safe for me to say this. So. Uh, but, but see the screen, it says, how do you handle your problems? You live on planet Earth. You're gonna have issues. Issues with other people. In fact, somebody said a long time ago, said, you know, I, I, uh, I only have confidence in two people, my wife and I, and sometimes I worry about her. You're going to have issues. Even with yourself, you're going to struggle sometimes. So how do we handle them? Here's some instruction. Number one, I already mentioned this before. The slide was already up. But if it's a small thing and a single occurrence, you should let it go. You should let it go. Show love. Show grace. Be kind. The verses that we just read. Some call this a one-off. One incident and it's done. If it's a one-off, you don't treat it like it's that big a deal. You treat it like a small thing that it is. So here's a self-check. If you find yourself arguing about lots of things and needing everyone to realize that you are right, you need to let it go. You need to learn to let little things go. If you feel like you have to defend yourself all the time, then you're not behaving spiritually. Just let it go. Just think, I mean, Jesus was absolutely 100% perfect. In every thought and every action, perfect. Did he get a lot of criticism? Oh, yeah. Did he get false blame? Oh, yeah. Did he defend himself every time? Oh, no. He let it go. And some of the very people accusing him ended up being his followers. So if you're always arguing about things, trying to make yourself look good, let it go. Grow up a little bit. As a friend of my brother's used to always say, Grow up! Mm. Oh. oh man, that's on video. <laughs> uh. All right, number two. <laughs> uh. Here, number two, if it's a big thing or if it's a small thing that is repeated, then you follow the steps of Christ outlined in Matthew 18. You go one on one. The illustration of Tim and Ben. Tim would go one-on-one -on -one with Ben and say, Ben, you know, I love you. You're my brother. This seems a little odd. And, and Ben would say, ha, ha, I got you twice. No, they would deal with it. They would resolve it and, and, and move on. That's the ideal thing. And if that doesn't happen, then you take another step. And, but he's not dealing with criminal or illegal behavior at this point. Jesus is dealing with an offense between people, and Paul is dealing with small issues they had in Corinth. Number three, if it involves criminal behavior, 
then you give the evidence to the police. If it involves criminal behavior, you give the evidence to the police. That's why they exist. That's their job. That's the job God has assigned to the government. And so a self-check, if you're doing something wrong, you need to repent and confess and seek to make it right. Maybe you stole stuff from work, uh, money, or maybe even you can steal purloining in the Bible is stealing because you're getting paid and you're not working hard. So you're stealing money from your boss by not working. Um, So if there's criminal behavior in your life, just stop. Um, Repent. Uh, Get help. Move, Move on, right? Number four, if people are being hurt, you should take action to protect them. If people are being hurt, take action to protect them. Even Jesus said uh, that a non-believer, I mean a person who's not following, should be treated as a non-believer if they refuse to repent and reconcile. So I believe that church in Houston did exactly the right thing. And one of the reasons why they needed to prosecute that and not just let it go and take the loss is because other churches needed to see those criminal charges in that person's background. Otherwise, on the background screen, another church could take in a predator. It needed to be dealt with and locked so that everyone would know about it. Not to hold it against him for the rest of his life, but to hold him accountable and not allow him the opportunity to have access to financial controls in a church. So I believe it would be okay for you to sue a Christian doctor for malpractice or to sue a Christian businessman for harm to you. Not, not so you can get rich, not so you can take advantage of it, but so you can protect others from facing the same hurt. It helps protect other people. I actually know of a Christian who sued another, I don't know them, but I read about it. A Christian sued another Christian because of the business wrongs that that person had done that had hurt other people and they won in court and that person had to make a judgment and pay other people but the person who filed the lawsuit gave 100% of what he got back he gave it to charity he said I didn't want money I wanted to stop that behavior and so if it's criminal it needs dealt with as a criminal So if you think someone is causing emotional abuse to you or to somebody else, go to the church leadership. If it's physical abuse, contact the police. It's up to the court to prosecute. They may or they may not. But it's your responsibility to make sure the court has the records they need to be able to make a fair judgment. They need to deal with an abuser appropriately. If you right now are being abused by somebody who calls themselves a Christian, you do not have to endure that. Talk to somebody in the church. Talk to one of the leaders, not just anybody. Talk to one of the leaders in the church. We can get help for you. So, self-help, self-check rather. (laughs) If people... 
say you are hurting them emotionally or physically. If people say you are hurting them, you should listen with respect and examine your heart and your actions. You don't have to appease a troublemaker, but you do need to acknowledge your own humanity and human frailty. I, I used to flick my kids sometimes, especially the boys. If they'd mess up, do something, I'd flick them on the arm. And then sometimes they'd go, ow! Of course, what did I say? That didn't hurt, right? Why would I say that? Because <laughs> I'm a guy. Uh, so I said, that didn't hurt, and I honestly felt like it didn't because I could barely feel it. And then one day, I was sitting there at my desk, and our desk, my desk was in uh, our study and, and bedroom were the same. And so I had a desk over here and then our bed, and there was a space between the desk and bed, and then a space between the bed and the wall, and then a window in the corner. And I'm sitting all the way across the room at the desk, and a little bug landed here on my shoulder, and I just gave it a little flick. Just, just a little flick, like the friendly little ones I'd give my kids, you know. And I gave the flick, and instantly the bug splatted against the blinds on the other side of the room. Bop! And I, huh. Maybe I do flick harder. And then I found out I can't feel pain in my fingers, in most of my skin. I can't feel pain because of my diabetes. It's called neuropathy. And so I don't have any feeling. And so I thought I was giving them a little flick like that. Can you hear that? And I was giving them a little flick, a little more like. And I didn't even know it. So what I should have done at the beginning was listen when they said it hurt. What I at least did after I killed a bug was realize I was flicking too hard and I stopped flicking because I couldn't control how hard it was or, or not. Shouldn't have been doing it in the first place, right? I know what you're saying. Wow, he was really dumb. You know what? He was. It's okay. God lets us grow up. But But... You need to listen to other people. I had kids and a wife who knew the Lord, loved the Lord, and cared about me, who all said I was doing it wrong, but I didn't listen. I think that's enough self-exposure today. Now I want to talk about Kathy, okay? Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thing is, I don't know anything to talk about her. It's a real bummer. Let me talk about Megan. Um, <laughs> All right, last thing, number five. Paul was not teaching the church to protect criminals. About five years after he wrote this letter, Paul himself appealed to Caesar, taking his case to the Supreme Court of the Roman Empire. Paul was not teaching the church to protect criminals. He was teaching them not to seek advantage over others. That's exactly what was going on in Corinth. They were taking somebody's little mistake and getting money for it to take advantage over them. They were going to court. They were winning cases or losing cases. They, they were going back and forth. Probably the same two guys sued each other several times a year trying to get advantage. And that was wrong, bizarre, and wicked. So back to verse 7. Oh, it helps if I get back to 1 Corinthians 6. Now, therefore, 
it is already an utter failure, utter failure for you that you go to law against one's another. Why, you, why do you not rather accept wrong? What's well, a little thing? Just let it go. Accept it. If it's repeated or if it's a big thing, there are steps to take. First within the church and then within the law. But just let it go. And then he says, why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you do yourselves, I'm sorry, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. Don't do that. Don't let you cause problems for the work of Christ on planet earth. Show grace. Show love. Protect the innocent. Listen if people critique you in any way. Learn and grow. God has great things in store for us. He loves us, he cares for us, and he wants us to love and care for others. So what's the future hold? I, I know the end of the story, right? But I don't know what happens between now and then. But this I know. The church as a whole, the believers in America and around the world have made Christianity look bad. Just like they were doing in Corinth. And we can make it look good right here in our town because the way we live and respond to the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. Father, I pray that we would do what's right, that we would honor you, that you would be honored and glorified through the efforts that we make on your behalf. I thank you so much for your grace, for your forgiveness, for allowing us to grow up, to not leave us stuck as immature believers, but allowing us to mature. And Father, I pray that you would be honored and glorified as we do self-checks in our own hearts, as we learn to let little things go and not have to defend ourselves, not have to be the person who's right all the time, but, but realize that other people have a different perspective. And may we honor you by the love and grace we show to others. In Jesus' name, amen.